0: Well, after that introduction, I don't know. I might be uh, in the hole of shame here, but, but I'll try my best. Uh, I'll be preaching in that language the whole service. How would you like that? And you should be glad that I speak your language a little bit. So I'll be, I'll be speaking in English so that you will understand me. And just imagine if you go to these villages speaking in English, they will say, huh? Just like what you, you know, when I was speaking in Isnak, that was Isnan. I was saying, I'm so happy to be here and worship the Lord our God with you. I'll be reading from uh, Jeremiah 10, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 10 to uh, 14. This is what the Lord Jesus said When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come, come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and, and, and will bring you back from captivity. I will, gather, I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you, carried you into exile. Let's pray. Our great and Father, this is your word. You have a promise in here. You have plans for our lives. You... Uh, your plan is, for, uh, is to prosper us uh, prosper us, and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. Thank you. Me, uh, some of the people here will claim the promise today. Thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity that you have given me to speak to these people, uh, the gro- this group of people that you have been using to uh, build your kingdom in the debagat area among the Isnags. So, Lord, pour your spirit to each and every one of us, and especially to me, Lord. Speak the word through me so that these people will be blessed and they will glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning I'll be focusing on uh, verse 13, which says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you want to find the Lord? So how do you do it? You seek him with all your heart. How, does, how do you do that? And where do you start? Maybe you don't know how, just like I did not before. Well, but I have an idea as I look back now how the Lord led me to where I am now. I know how to seek the Lord, and this is what I'm going to share with you. I grew, up in a Christian fam- I grew up in a Catholic family, and my mom died when I was two years old. So I never tried calling anybody mom, because probably I was barely speaking back then. So my grandma raised me up. And I enjoyed being raised by grandmas. You know how grandma raised their grandchildren. Didn't you know that? They spoiled them. And but you know what? My grandma didn't uh, spoil me, but he didn't just spoil me. She influenced me. So grandma, don't just spoil your children. Influence them too. She did not just play for me, she prayed for me. In fact, my grandma prayed for me every, prayed with me every day. Or I prayed with her every day. Because my grandma was a very devout Catholic. She prays the rosary every day. And I, I prayed with her. We did it responsibly. So he didn't just bring me to God or tell, uh, told me about God. She took me along with her in her worship to God. And that's how I learned about God, about Jesus, and about Mary. Because when we pray the rosary, we pray, Hail Mary, Mother of God. And then I'll say, St. Mary, pray for us sinners. That's how we did it responsibly. So I, went to, I was introduced to my spirituality or about God, Jesus, and Mary through my grandma. And that's how I, I know about God. And then because uh, when, after I knew him, I decided, I, I started desiring him. Head, now it's in my heart. I wanted to see Jesus. I wanted to see Mary. Somehow I didn't say I wanted to see God. But I don't know why. So I desire, I, I desire to see Jesus. I desire to, have, uh, to, uh, to see Mary. So my desire is so, is so intense that I keep on thinking about Mary. I keep on thinking about Jesus, so much so that I always dream about Mary and I was uh, always dream about Jesus. I had one dream about Mary. I, in my dream, she was the the sun. I was in the field and the sun uh, became dark and Mary came down, grabbed me by the hand. I was scared, and she said, "Just a little bit." Uh, what is that a little bit and then i interpreted that little bit in a young mind of seven year old who wanted to become a saint i wanted to become a saint because in our at our altar there are images of saints st saint peter st dominic and st peter always have the rooster with her with him i don't know why this uh, image of st peter has the rooster do you know why because it's always convict him you know if the rooster will it will crow peter always convicted because he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And I imagine myself like Peter. My image will be grieven if I become a saint. So I wanted to become a saint. And so people will pray to me. And I asked my grandma, how do you become a saint? Oh, sin- people, uh, sin- saints are pe- sinless people. And so I wanted to be sinless. So I go to church twice a day. I go to church twice a day. Every day, twice a day. Because I wanted to become a saint. I wanted to be sinless. At a young, year, at a young age of seven, uh, becoming a saint is no problem. It's no problem. Because what, a seven, what does a seven-year-old do? Play. But there are things that you cannot, uh, you cannot do. Don't say bad words. Don't lie to your mom. And don't steal. But for me, stealing is no problem. Because my, grand, uh, my, my father told me that if he caught me stealing, he will cut off one of my fingers. And I, thought, uh, and I believe that my, my father is serious about that. So I never want my finger. uh, I never want to lose one of my fingers. So stealing was no problem. So I went to church because I wanted to become a saint. I was laboring. I was working toward sainthood. Have you been working toward your sainthood? Or are you saint yet? Are you saints yet? Who are the saints here? Ah, nobody is a saint here. Oh, there is one there. I saw a hand there. Saint Morshed. Saint Gordon. I was working towards sainthood. And so, since my grandma told me that to become a saint, you have to be sinless, avoiding sin, following the Ten Commandments. But you know what? When I was growing up like you, it was getting harder to become a saint. But when I was in high school, I still wanted to become a saint, but it's becoming harder because in high school, you have to be cool. If, you did, if, they, if they hear that uh, you want to become a saint, they will laugh at you. Oh, this guy is out of his rocker. Why does he want to become a saint? But believe it or not, I didn't tell anybody that I want to become a saint. But I went to church uh, twice a day. And so much so that I always dream of Jesus. And I wanted to see Jesus because of my dream. Sometimes I, I dream that I'm praying before the crucifix with Jesus crucified there. And one night I dreamed that he, uh, he came alive. And he ran after me because I got scared. He came alive and he went after me. And then another dream I have, I was praying before the uh, image of a dead Christ. And he started blinking. And then I was, I, uh, I was scared again. But somehow these dreams are telling me something. But the, uh, the crucial dream was, happened uh, when I was in college already. I was already in college, but I still wanted to become a saint. And uh, this dream came to me after I saw the movie, The Greatest Story Ever Told. It was showing during Holy Week uh, at a theater across from my campus. And since I, am, I wanted to become a saint, oh, this is a religious movie, so I want to see it. But when I got to the theater and the movie started playing, I started crying. And I don't know why. I don't understand myself. I don't know why I was crying. When it got to the crucifixion of Jesus, I started sobbing. I wanted to wail. But it's embarrassing. Inside a the theater, somebody, especially a college student, crying over a video, over a movie, people would be laughing at me. So I had to bite my shirt. After that movie that night, I had a very interesting dream. And this is the um, turning point in my life. In my dream that night, I was with Jesus in a mountainous place preaching the gospel and showing miracles. Wow! I was with Jesus. Jesus. And I said, I'm going to be with Jesus. Now I'm getting closer to becoming a saint. I don't know how, but I know the Lord wanted me to do something. And that has been my prayer for almost a year, every day. Morning, afternoon, I go to church, ask the Lord, Lord, I know you want me to do something. Tell me even in my dream, and I will do it for you. And you know, know, very often when we pray, we kind of... Have the answers already, you know. We, have a, we are trying to figure out how the Lord will answer our prayer. And, you know, I was thinking that the Lord will answer the, my prayer through what the people, Filipinos, do during Holy Week. Some Filipinos are devotees, are devout Catholics. They beat themselves up with, uh, with uh, ropes uh, lined with nails and uh, glasses or sharp objects to make their back bleed because to them that is one way of atoning for their sins. Some people get, uh, get nailed to the cross, and I was hoping that the Lord wanted me to do that. That's easy for me. And I, would, I, would, I could have done it had the Lord told me in my dream. But he did not. So I was waiting for that. I was waiting for this answer. Almost a year, I prayed the same prayer. And then one Saturday night, I was in my uh, last year of in engineering. I was talking to my classmate. And he was in a hurry. He was, I said, oh, oh no, I have, to, I have a choir practice. I got to go. I got to go. And so I stopped him. What is a choir practice? What is choir? And then, uh, because I didn't know. I, was, I didn't speak English very well then. Uh, what is choir? Oh, it's a group of singers. We, we sing at church. I said, can I join you? Because I like singing. He said, yes, come to our church tomorrow. And he gave me the address. And he left. So Sunday, Sunday, uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon, I went to find, look for that church. And you know what? What would have t- taken me 30 minutes? It took me two hours. And somehow I did not get up, give up. And looking for that house and walk all over the place, asking people for that church and nobody knows because it was not a church. What is a church anyway? A building with cross. But they didn't have any cross. Because they are just its a group of people meeting under a school. And a second, a uh, first floor of the school. And then I joined, their, and, uh, I joined their fellowship. And then after that, a pastor invited me into his office. My friend forgot to tell, uh, tell him that I have to join the choir. So I was with him in the office. When we got to his office, he clicked, locked the door. I said, okay. Locked the door. And then he opened the Bible. I said, oh no, I'm in the wrong place. When I was growing up, I was told that I will become insane if I read the Bible. And so who would like to become insane? So I avoided the Bible like a plague. I run away from people who hold the Bible. But wait a minute. I was trying to become a saint. How can one, how can anyone become a saint with a Bible? Where do you find God? Where do you find God? Do you find him in nature? Do you find him in church? Where do you really find God? But you know what? When the pastor opened the Bible and he started reading a verse, and then he explained it, I argue against him. Because I don't want to believe in him. I don't want to become, I become, I don't want to become insane. So, and then he reads the Bible, I can't say anything. I read, read a verse in the Bible, I can't say anything. And that went, that exchange went for an hour. Meanwhile, the choir at the back of the, uh, of the office are singing and they are practicing. So there are 36 members and I wish I am, I'm there. So my mind is in the choir and my mind, uh, other mind is with the pastor. But you know what? The pa- my mind, you know, when the pastor keeps on discussing with me, uh, discussing this, uh, the verses with me, I always argue with him. But there was one verse that I wasn't able to say anything when he reads Romans ten nine. He said, "If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and that God and believe in thy heart that God raised Him from the dead, that uh, you will be saved, thou shalt be saved." Okay. When I when I, after he read that. The thing that came to mind is confessing with your mouth. What does that mean to confess your m- with your mouth? Of course, you know. And then I, and then they were still, you know, the choir was uh, singing, Hallelujah. They were singing the practicing the Handel's Messiah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And then I, as I was pondering that, I was hearing that too. And to me, they are they are like angels singing. And there, here I was confronting with, with this verse in the Bible, if thou shalt confess with a mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so and then, uh, and then uh, I, I can't say anything. And so the pastor asked me, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? I said, I said yes. When? Oh, when I was kid, when I was seven-year-old. I pray. I go to church twice a day. I pray to Jesus. I love Jesus. I dream of Jesus. But he didn't believe me. And then he he prayed for me. And then he said, come on, brother. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ with that authority that I never heard from anybody. And then, believe it or not, that was the first time I never had to pray with my prayer book. And without the rosary, I prayed to the Lord Jesus. I confessed my sins. I told him I believe him, that he's the son of God, that God raised him from the dead. And then I accepted, me into, I accepted him into my heart. And then that, that, right after that, I feel that the Lord came into my heart. And then the, Lord's, uh, the choir stopped. And then probably they finally welcome, hallelujah, Rudy Barlaan, a sinner has come home. And a sinner has become a saint. I didn't realize that becoming a saint is as simple as that. I thought I need to go to church twice a day to become a saint. It only took me less than two minutes to become a saint. And I've been trying all these years. How many of you have done that? If you have not done that, it only takes two minutes to become a saint. But the challenge is it will take you the rest of your life to what to do with Jesus in your heart. And that was, the, that was the decision I had to make. What do I do with Jesus who came into my heart? I've been looking, looking for him. Now I found him. I, just, I, just, he didn't, I wanted him to appear to me. He did not just appear to me. He came into me. Just like Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? He wanted to see Jesus. So he wanted to see Jesus. What did he do? He climbed up a sycamore, uh, sycamore tree. But when Jesus saw him, come on Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today. When I saw Jesus, he told me, Rudy, I, I'm not satisfied of you just uh, seeing me. I want to live in you. He wants to live in your heart, in our heart. And now that he's in my heart, now that he's in your heart, what do you do now? And that's you will struggle with that the rest of your life. Day in, day out. What do you do? Only one word. Do you, uh, are you going to obey him or not? obey him. That's the only thing you have to struggle with. The, all of your lives, until you die, until you go home, did you obey or did you not obey? And that had been my struggle. And now I got to face a, a real test of my obedience. My, my dad didn't want me to become a Christian. He wanted me to return to my Catholicism. And he said, if you don't live that faith anymore, if you don't love that faith, uh, you don't expect my love as before. I said, that's all right. I still love you because you are my father. But to live this faith, no, I cannot. And for 13 years, he didn't talk to me. That was not the end of it. Okay. I I work as an engineer. And while working as an engineer, the Lord called me. I have to obey the Lord. Do I remain in my job and ignore the call? Or do I have to leave my job and answer the call? I answer the call of the Lord. Through the challenge of a founder of the church that I went to in Manila about the need of Filipino young people to work among the tribes of the Philippines to preach the gospel. And I said, I want that. I want to go there. And so I went to the office of the Summer Institute of Linguistics. And they told me, I need to have a training. So I went to the training. And then I told my dad, I'm going to go serve the Lord just to tell him. And he said, and he, uh, he was not happy at all. Because he thinks I'm going to be a missionary. What's wrong with be, uh, being a missionary? But to him, I will become an embarrassment to his friends. His only son, who, the, only, the first engineer in his hometown. Now he's going to become a missionary. My dad will be so embarrassed of his, his friends. And his embarrassment is greater than his love for me. And so he disowned me. And he said, okay, okay, go ahead with your faith. But keep on working as an engineer. But I said, no, the Lord is calling me. Has he, have you heard him? How do you answer that? And in his frustration that he cannot convince me but okay, say, okay, you don't listen to me anymore. You go anywhere you want, anywhere you can stand on your two feet and never come back. You know, when he said that, you know, the, the scripture that came to mind was when the Lord Jesus said, do you think I came for peace? I came to bring peace? No. I came to bring What? Divisions, father against son, son against father. Wow, it's so appropriate for my case. And then another verse came to me. If you love your father and mother or brothers more than me, you are not worthy of me. No, I have been seeking all, the Lord Jesus, uh, all my life for the Lord Jesus. Now that I have I found him, I, can be, I cannot be unworthy to him. I have to obey him. And so I went for my training. After my training, I was sent to Nard's place. For my, for my uh, training, just a training, I was not meant to, uh, I was not meant to, uh, um, to work there permanently. But when, uh, after three months, I learned the language. Incredible. I, I couldn't believe it. The Lord recently was really giving me, oh, I don't know what the Lord was giving me, but I was picking up the language. And I was, uh, in fact, I started praying at three months, uh, three months there. I learned the language. I started praying the language. I started translating hym- ah, hymns. And then I started translating scriptures. And then the director, when it was my time to, uh, to come back, he let me return. And I never came back. You know why? Because that was the place that I had to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That was Nard's place, Nard Pugias' place. It's the mountainous place in my dream before I become a believer where I was with the Lord Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel and showing miracles. Later on, there were videos the result of preaching the gospel with Jesus. You cannot preach the gospel without Jesus. And if we always partner with Jesus, again, I'll say, are we going to obey to partner with him or disobey and do our own thing? And it's always a constant decision we have to make in life is to obey or not to obey. And so I've, after that training, I was, I was there in the village and we translated the New Testament in 1980, uh, 19, uh, I went there in '71. We finished the first draft of the New Testament in 1979. I came back. I came here to get my graduate studies at University of Te- Texas in Arlington. And then 1986, I finished. I went back. I did not plan to go back to the village because I finished the translation. But the Lord, as He has told me, "You will be with me. We'll be together in the mountainous areas." Preaching the gospel and showing miracles. He brought me back there in 1996. And every Holy Week, we had our Holy Week retreat. You might have received some of the letters that I wrote and told you about the results of those. Later on, there will be videos here that we will look at. And so now, I'm in the last leg of my race. What do you do? Those of us who are in the last leg of your race in the ministry, what do you do? What do you do? Now, What uh, the best thing to do for me is to train people to whom I can pass the baton of Bible translation so that they, conti- they can continue running the race. It's not just a sprint. It is a relay. It's a long run. So everyone is passing the baton to somebody else. And that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm training consultants, translation consultants. I'm training translators, mother tongue translators. I'm training other tongue translators. And as, the pastor, uh, as pastor Phil uh, mentioned uh, a little while ago, in October, I'll be in Thailand training mother tongue translators from the neighboring countries in Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, Burma, or whoever goes to Payap University in Thailand. They will be, will be training them in Bible translation so that when they go back to their country, they will not need to learn the language. All they have to know is how to translate the word in their own language. So there are several steps ahead of us. We had to learn the language. We had to learn the culture. And then we can do translation. But for them, they can jump right into translation right away. And that's what we are doing now. And these church have been involved in that ministry. You have involved, we have been involved through NARD and through some of your uh, members, like Gordon Morshed. He has been to the Bagat in the village three times. First time he went to when they opened the uh, airstrip and built a house for me to, uh, where is the Bible now, to translate the Bible or to revise the whole Bible. And added add the Genesis and Exodus. So that the people can have both the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Bible says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. Without the Old Testament, it seems like it is only one-edged sword. So we need to have the Old Testament and New Testament. So that the word of God will be like a two-edged sword. That the people can use to defeat the enemy. So that's what we, we will, be, uh, will be doing. And you have been alongside the ISNAG ministry for several years now. And uh, I would like to acknowledge and express our appreciation to you as a church by uh, giving you a token of your partnership with us in God's work among the ISNAGs in the Bagat village, and surrounding, surrounding villages. So I would, like to, uh, I would like to get this one here. I'll read what is in here before you all. This is all for you. This is for the church, not only to an individual, but for all of you because of your your involvement in the ministry of Bible translation, especially among the Dibagat people. Before me was a great multitude that no one could account from every nation, tribe, people, and language. There will be Isnags praising the Lord with us when we get to heaven. And some of them will be thanking you when you get there because you have sent your people You have sent help, and you have prayed for them. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, we will all together, Isnags, Burmese, Tagalogs, Filipinos, Americans, everybody will be standing before the throne. Are you going to be there? If you are not sure if you are going to be there, there is only one way. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. And then we will all be there, and we will all see each other there, together with our Snug brothers and sisters. I would like to call Pastor Phil and uh, to receive this token from us on behalf of Nard Pugiao. So thank you very much. And with this, uh, uh, we really uh, want to express our appreciation to you, you. And may you continue to pray for us. Thank you very much. Yes, I will show that. Next, for the last five minutes, we will see the video, and I will just run through it to give you an idea on how the Lord uh, has been working among the Isnags. I will start early when we first translated the Book of Mark, and then we progress, and you can see how the growth of the church progress with the development of the translated word of God.